Hey, what's up, GF family? Pastor Rod here. First of all, miss y'all like crazy. I hope all is well with you and your families. Uh, we're about to jump into the word today. Um, it's going to be brought to us by uh, Pastor Jim Eaton out of Maryland. Um, I am standing outside in my backyard and it is literally raining. A little bit of rain is getting on me. Um, and, and rain, I remember growing up and thinking of rain as the great disruptor of my life. It hindered my joy. It hindered me going outside and play. It was just, it was just a somber thing to think about a day full of rain. I think I could sum up 2020 as a rainy year. It is, a, it, it, it is the year of disruption after disruption after disruption, inconvenience after inconvenience, disappointment after disappointment, tragedy after tragedy, but like rain. God has a way of using what we call disruptions or even a tragic ending of a day that we plan to use that to bring about life and vitality and joy and purpose. I believe in the same way God seeks to do that in your life and he seeks to do that in my life. And he does that through the vehicle of prayer. God partners with us uh, and asks us to come to him, to speak to him. And, and in return, in, in ways that go, work in accordance with his sovereignty, he answers prayers and some prayers he doesn't. But what would it look like for us to be people that just prayed ridiculous, impossible prayers to see God's glory be manifested in the earth, to watch him do incredible things that push forward the mission of Christ and his righteousness? Today, Pastor Jim is going to talk to us how to pray pray in impossible prayers and work in concert with God to see him accomplish his will in the earth for his glory and our good. So I want you to stay tuned to that. Let's welcome uh, Bishop Jim as he comes. Let's be real with each other. We don't really pray big prayers. I mean, as Christians, this is just kind of how the way it is. I struggle with this. There are times I catch myself just praying these little prayers like just bless the food and keep me safe and uh, watch over this or help me on my way to work. We tend to pray little prayers. But when you go into the Bible, you find prayer is an entirely different thing. The people in the Bible prayed these great big courageous prayers like they were shaking heaven and earth. They didn't pray manageable prayers like nice little things. They were praying to God to do the things that were impossible for them to do. Julian of Norwich said this, This is our Lord's will, that our prayer and our trust alike be large. God is calling us, Mosaic, to be people of impossible prayers. Think of the things in your life. Think of the things in your community, in our world, in our nation, anywhere and everywhere. God wants us to learn how to pray large, courageous, impossible prayers. That's what I want to talk to somebody today about, how we are being called by God to learn how to pray for the impossible. Join me in prayer as we look to God for help this morning. Father in heaven, I need your help as I give this message. Your people need to hear from you. So I pray a miracle that you would move upon every person, every family, every couple, every young person, every older person, anyone and everyone. Please, God, teach us to pray. As Jesus prayed, 
as your servants throughout the world prayed, as your servants throughout the scripture prayed. God, give us the capacity to pray for the things that are impossible. And I ask this in Jesus' wonderful and precious name. Amen and amen. Consider some large prayers in the Bible. Here are just a few. Abraham talking to God. Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Abraham's not holding back. He's calling on God to exercise his justice regarding these cities. Jacob, wrestling with God, says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He's not just giving some tepid, timid little prayer. He's wrestling with God and saying, I can't let you go until you bless me. It's strong, it's robust, it's courageous. Hannah, as Natalie was talking about earlier, listen to her prayer. Deeply hurt, Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. Making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of armies, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me and give your servant a son, I will give him to the Lord all the days of your life. Hannah is praying a courageous, courageous prayer. She is so courageous in her prayer, knowing she is not able to to conceive and give birth to any children. But if God can do this, she will give this son back to him for all the rest of the days of his life. David prayed this way, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands and my soul refused to be comforted. Bible prayers are raw. They're real. They're people pouring out their souls to God. So many of our prayers are very different. We try to manage God. We try to manage our spirituality. We we put a lot of focus and passion and attention into so many other areas of life, into making money, into leading and raising our children, into making sure our occupations and our careers go well. But when it comes to talking to God, we just say these nice little somethings. God isn't looking for that. God is looking for prayers for the impossible. Is anything too hard for the Lord? He wants us to pray like that. The Apostle Paul said this to the church in Galatia, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Paul was praying for this church. He was so concerned. This church was drifting away from the truth and adding things to the gospel. And Paul knew if they do that, they'll lose everything. And so Paul is crying out to God like a woman who's in labor pains. That's the kind of prayer. Here's how E.M. Bounds said it in his classic book on prayer. The little estimate we put on prayer is evident from the little time we give to it. Not infrequently, the Christian's only praying is by his bedside, or maybe the addition of a few hasty snatches of prayer in the morning. How feeble, vain, and little is such praying compared with the time and energy devoted to praying by holy men and women in and out of the Bible. How poor and petty and childish is our praying alongside the habits of the true men and women of God from all ages. E.M. Bounds. Here's what God's command is in his promise. God commands us and attaches a promise to it. Jeremiah 33.3, it says this in the NIV. Call to me and I will answer you. The command, 
Call to me. Pray. Call to me. The promise, I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. The Amplified Bible puts it like this. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, fenced in and hidden, which you do not know. That's actually a great way to render it, because in the Hebrew, what what God is really saying back as Jeremiah puts his word out to people, God is saying, here's the command, call to me. God says the response, his promise is, I am going to show you things that are fenced in. I'm going to show you things that are restricted. They're inaccessible. You can't just go and Google this and get the answer. You can't just go out on a, on a search and say, I'll find this. God has to move from heaven and reveal the very thing he wants to do. He has to move heaven and earth to create the very miracle for you. There is no other way for you to get this other than to call out to God and watch him move into the areas that only God can move. God is commanding us to pray. And if we do, he promises to do things that are way beyond our capacity, that are only within his realm and his authority. Isaiah 64 says, Isaiah says it this way, since ancient times, no one has heard No ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. See, Mosaic, God is looking for people who are going to pray with passion, pray with heart. Take on the prayers that you're afraid to pray. Think about the things that you have no solution for. You have no recourse. You have no idea how this could possibly be answered. Pray that. Last week, we talked about injustice in our country. Have you ever prayed that God would solve this problem of injustice? Have you ever just called out to God and said, God, I have no idea how you can do this, but you can do the impossible. Will you heal our land? Will you take away the scourge of racism and injustice? Why not pray these kinds of prayers? Are there things that you want to see happen in your own spiritual life and you don't see any solution? Pray that. Is there something in your family that's troubling you and causing you grief and making you wake up at night? Pray that. These are the prayers God wants to hear from us. Andrew Murray said it this way, Be not discouraged in prayer, even for the impossible. Take heart. You're talking to the one who specializes in the impossible. I think, honestly, sometimes God gets tired of our prayers. We focus on what the prayer sounds like. We focus on, did I say it right? That's not where God is. Jesus said, when you pray, don't be like the Pharisees who have all of these artsy prayers in public. He says, go into a quiet corner of your home and pour your soul out to God. That's what God is looking for. If right now while I'm talking to you, if you're saying inside your own heart, I'm not much of a prayer. This is really a weak area of my life. I want to encourage you right now. Make this the day that you cross over from being a weak and timid prayer to becoming someone who prays with boldness and courage because God hears you and he can do the miracles. Make today the day where you change. Don't continue to go on saying, well, I'll never be one of these people that prays. Why not? Why not be the very person who starts to pray with power and courage and faith? God is there with you. He's commanding you to do it. He has promises for you. Let's look at the example of a church that prayed in desperation. In Acts chapter 12, catastrophe strikes the early church 
in Jerusalem. And this is a, a classic, a case study in what God does when his people pray. So now what I'd like to do is talk to you from Acts chapter 12 about what happens when God's people pray. Acts 12 is kind of like a classic study. It's a case study of how God moves when the church is in a place of desperation and they have to pray some impossible prayers. Acts chapter 12, get your Bible, find it, Acts chapter 12, verse 1. About that time, King Herod violently attacked some who belonged to the church. This is the new church in Jerusalem. It's young, it's new. King Herod attacks some of those who belong to the church, and he executed James, John's brother. So one of those who are prominent, someone who's in leadership in the church, everyone knows this man, Herod takes him and he puts him to death with the sword. When Herod saw that it pleased the Jews, watch this, you have political opposition going on against the church, and it's corrupted by the leader is only concerned about polling data. He just wants to know, is everybody happy with him? So because he senses some positive affirmation, now he's going to ramp up the effort to stamp out the church. So when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After the arrest, Herod put Peter in prison and assigned four squads of four soldiers each to guard him intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison. Here this church is young, it's new, it's facing perhaps its greatest challenge yet. Its leadership is being disrupted. Someone has already been executed to send terror throughout the whole church. The leadership in the nation is thoroughly corrupt. There, there, there's really no hope for this church. Peter is now in prison and he's been given a massive guard all around him so that no one can access him and set him free. There's really no hope. So then it says this in the second half of verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God for him. This is the hinge point of the story. It's early in the story. There's quite a bit more to the story. But the hinge point is the church was praying fervently to God for him. What follows is a direct result of the church's fervent prayer. It's not as though God is sitting in heaven and just say, oh, I, I don't know what's going on. I I'm not sure. I'm busy. I'm, I'm not really following all this. And then all of a sudden God wakes up and God says, oh, I'm going to do something else. God is moving, but he's waiting for his people to pray, to pray for the impossible. So the church prays. God is calling each of us as individuals in the body to pray. God is calling each of you as a, as a man, as a woman, as a young person, as a married couple, as a family, to learn to pray, to pray powerful prayers, to pray out your soul. But there's something uniquely different when the church prays. And I'm just going to be very real here with you. I'm going to be very straight up with you. I think God has a learning curve for Mosaic in the area of prayer. I don't think right now we're all that God wants us to be. We're doing a prayer Zoom call every Wednesday night. And I sometimes sit there and say, where's everybody else? It's not as though everybody's commuting somewhere. Maybe some of you are commuting, but a whole lot of us are at home. 
It's not as though we're all having our kids in sports programs everywhere and we just can't get to it. There has to be something, Mosaic, where we come to a place where we say, we are in a global pandemic. We are in a pandemic of racial injustice. We are in a time where God is desperately calling the church to pray. And Mosaic, we need to step this up. We need to learn to pray, yes, in our homes, yes, in our families, but we need to pray as a church. You may say, I, I, I'm tired of Zoom. I don't like to do it. I, I'm with you. I feel that. I'm on Zoom every day, and it gets tiring to look at all those little panels and hear the warbly voices and the freezing heads and all that stuff, but it's the best we can do for now. I'm calling you to step up. I think God has a great future for our church. I do. I think our best days are ahead. I think despite all that's going on, God has a plan for Mosaic, and it's a rich plan and a rich future. But we have to pray. We have to pray together. That's what this church does. This church didn't have any buildings. This church didn't have any money. They're praying in somebody's house, so if you know it's not a huge church. They're just praying their hearts out. They have no clue how Peter can be rescued, so they go to God. Like Jehoshaphat, I don't know what to do, but I'm putting my trust in you. I'm just saying this as your pastor. I love you. I think all of us need to step this up and learn how to pray together as a church. Oswald Chambers said this, Jesus never mentioned unanswered prayer. He had the boundless certainty that prayer is always answered. Maybe you don't pray because your faith is weak. Maybe you don't pray because of things you've done in your past and you think God won't listen. Those are all lies from Satan. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're part of the kingdom of heaven. You're a royal generation. The Holy Spirit is in you, helping you to pray. God wants to do miracles in you and in our church and through our church. Have the courage to step up and pray. Don't let Satan put you off. Don't let Satan think that your prayers don't matter. Every person's prayer matters. And God will answer these prayers. So the church is praying. Church is praying. Church is praying. Then the text says this, when Herod was about to bring him out for trial, that very night, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers, while the sentries in front of the door guarded the prison. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. The word in Greek for an angel is a messenger. God hears the prayers of this church in a house. God in heaven sends one messenger, one angel. And that angel miraculously finds his way into the cell. He knows exactly where Peter is. He comes into the cell, just bypasses all the armed guards. And the night before Peter goes to trial, he strikes Peter on the side. He wakes him up. He says, Peter, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Any of you today feeling like there are chains around your life? There are bonds of addiction, there are bonds of guilt, there are bonds of your past, there are bonds of things that are holding you back. God can answer your prayers. He can take those chains off instantly. Peter is bound with the chains of man. One angel comes in and the power of God releases him from those chains. He tells him to get dressed, put on your sandals. So Peter does. He says, wrap your cloak around you. So Peter does. 
He says, follow me. So Peter does. Peter went out and followed and watch this. Peter did not know that what the angel did was really happening. Now, who is Peter? Peter is Jesus' chosen one to be the rock. I say that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus said that long ago in Matthew. Peter is Jesus' chosen instrument in the founding of the church. Sometime later, it transitions to Paul. First of all, it's Peter in Jerusalem. Then it goes to Paul throughout the rest of the Roman Empire. But at this stage in God's plan, Peter is the key person. But watch this. Peter doesn't have a clue as to what's happening. See, God isn't even bound by the fact that the leaders don't know what's happening. I freely admit to you, there are a whole lot of times I don't know exactly what God is doing. I didn't plan how all this would be. There are a lot of people who walked away from our church and I desperately wish they had stayed and we could work together and I pray that some of them will come back. There are all kinds of things I don't know what God is doing. I don't know how God is going to work through all of this pandemic, through all the social distancing, through all the upheavals. I don't know. But ultimately that doesn't matter. What matters is that every single one of us is on our faces before God saying, God, this is your church and you love us. This is, this is your family. You love your family. This is, this is your home. You love your home. Just put your heart and soul into God and God will take care of it. The angel just says to Peter, follow. Peter has no idea what's happening. But God is at work because the church prayed. He thought he was seeing a vision after they passed the first and second guards. They came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened to them by itself. They went outside and passed one street and suddenly the angel left him. The angel's job was done. Peter's now out of the prison. He's standing on the street. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and from all that the Jewish people expected. Peter now realizes God sent his angel and rescued Peter because the church prayed. In the 1990s, South Africa was a powder keg. Mandela had been released, but apartheid was slow to be dismantled. Most expected massive bloodshed over all the injustices created by the white government. But God brought together, miraculously, two men. A black Anglican bishop named Desmond Tutu and a white pastor named Ray McCauley. By the way, I've been blessed to meet Ray indirectly. I met a pastor named Bert Pretorius when I was in Abu Dhabi a few months ago. And Bert Pretorius pastors a church in Pretoria, almost the same name, Bert Pretorius in Pretoria, South Africa. Ray McCauley is like Pastor Bert Pretorius' spiritual father. And when we were going through all these things, I was praying and he was praying for me. And he said, I want to I want to just introduce you indirectly to Pastor Ray McCauley. He wants to pray for you as well. I remember one Sunday when we were at Tuscarora and we were setting things up and I just had a kind of a, a weak moment where my faith was kind of weak. And I was just praying and as we were setting things up and saying, God, I don't know how you're going to move forward with our church, but we need your help. Just then my phone rang and it was Pastor Bert Pretorius. He said, God just put you on my heart. I want to just tell you, God is with you and there's a bright future for your church. 
He said, our church went through difficult times. Pastor Ray McCauley's church went through difficult, difficult times. We're all praying for you in Mosaic. I just wanted to add that in to encourage you. So Pastor Ray McCauley is a white pastor in South Africa. God used Anglican Bishop Desmond Tutu and Pastor Ray McCauley, one man black, one man white, to speak to crowds across South Africa as large as 100,000 and to pray with them. Many times the record says that the people would be so charged for violence and retribution. And one time Bishop Tutu prayed with the black leaders as the crowd was ready to burn the city. And then he directed Pastor Ray McCauley over to the young white soldiers standing by the tanks to pray over them. And God miraculously diffused the whole situation. So the country started moving toward peace instead of civil war. Once a reporter asked Bishop Tutu, why do you pray? Bishop Tutu said this, if your day starts off wrong, it stays skewed. What I found is that getting up a little earlier and trying to have an hour of quiet prayer in the presence of God, mulling over some scripture supports me. I try to have two or three hours of quiet prayer each day and even when I'm exercising. I use that time for intercession. I offer it all to God. God is moving in the midst of all of this political oppression and catastrophe in this young church. Peter, the leader, is put in prison. It looks like everything's falling apart. But this young church prays. And God hears the prayer in heaven, sends one angel. That one angel removes Peter out of the cell. The soldiers are clueless. The gate opens by itself. Peter is freed out onto the street because the church prayed. Now watch this. As soon as Peter realized this, that he was free, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. Remember, Peter is now free. Why? Because the church was praying, right? He goes to the house where he knows they're praying. He knocked at the door of the outer gate and a servant named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice, and because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the outer gate. You're out of your mind, they told her, but she kept insisting that it was true. And, and the church goes, it's his angel. He's already passed on. <laughs> Peter, however, kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and they saw him, they were amazed. Motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Tell these things to James and the brothers, he said, and he left and went to another place. Here's the lesson, Mosaic. God answers prayer even when our faith isn't very strong. The church was praying their hearts out for something that was impossible. They prayed and they prayed and God heard their prayers. He answered their prayers but their faith wasn't strong enough to really think God could rescue Peter and bring him back to them. So when Peter emerges back at the house that night, they can't quite believe it. They're praying that God would do a miracle, but their faith isn't quite strong enough to think that God can actually do that very miracle. So don't let that put you off from praying. Be honest, your faith isn't all that strong. I'm honest, my faith isn't that strong. I'm like that person says to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We all are growing in our faith. 
But don't let that stop you from praying. God isn't going to stand back and say, nah, your faith isn't good enough. He's going to move toward you with the faith you exercise, and then he's going to grow your faith. I'm sure God must have been chuckling when Peter's standing there knocking on that door, knocking on that door, and the church is praying so hard, but they can't let him in because they don't think he's there. I'm sure God was chuckling. But just keep praying. Just keep praying. So now let's talk a little bit about what's impossible for you. What are the impossible areas in your life that if you're really honest, you're saying, I just, I don't know how God would answer this. Let's look at a few of them. Financial issues, financial freedom. Are any of you looking at your finances and saying, I'm just, I'm really not happy with them. I'm not happy with where I'm at. My budget isn't what it should be. My debt isn't what it should be. My giving isn't what it should be. I want to be financially free. And yet you look at it all and you go, it's impossible. It's just always been that way. It'll always be that way. Don't don't think that way. Right now, make today a day of decision where you say, God, I'm laying my finances out before you. Do you remember when Natalie was talking earlier about King Hezekiah? And I love that. He spread the letter out before the Lord. Take your finances, take your budget, take your spreadsheet, spread it out before God and say, God, here it is. It's not what I want it to be. I don't have any idea, but God, I want to be financially free. Watch God move in your finances. Pray an impossible prayer. Reconciliation for a broken relationship. Can you think about a relationship in your life where it's been broken, where it's not the way it was? And you look at it and you say, I don't see any way that that relationship could be healed. But God is the God of healing relationships. God is the one who brings about repentance and reconciliation and newness. One of the reasons we felt led to name this church Mosaic was not only because we were asking God to make us a church where people of all different cultures and ethnicities would come together in a beautiful mosaic of God's grace, but also that all of us are broken people. We come with brokenness. And so a lot of the times the relationships break apart because we all are broken. We all have problems. We all come short. So why not, instead of just saying, ah, it's just the way it's going to be, take that relationship that's on your mind and on your heart, put that before the Lord in prayer. Say, God, I'm going to trust you to heal that broken relationship. See what God does. Perhaps you're wanting courage over your fear. Do any of you struggle with fear in your life? You'd say, Pastor Jim, if I'm really honest, I have a lot of anxiety and I have a lot of fear. God is longing to give you courage, to give you a life where you live by the courage of God's promises. That despite the fact that the storm is raging, You're in the boat and Jesus is in that boat with you. Pray those impossible prayers. God, take my fearful heart. Transform me into a woman, a man of courage. God will hear you. Maybe you need a breakthrough through some kind of impossible situation at work. You're up against corruption. You're up against problems. You're up against things that you just don't know how it's going to work out. I remember years ago when I was going through seminary, God gave me a job at UPS. 
and I wanted that job. It was early in the morning. We started at 4 a.m. We finished up at 8.30 every morning. I loaded five of those package delivery trucks. I loaded five of them. All the packages would come down the belt. I'd run in and out of those trucks as fast as I could. And my supervisor's name was Tom Zuby. And he was a man who didn't care much for God and he hated Christians. And he targeted me right away. He'd come walking by. He would swear up a blue streak to me. He'd tell me I'd never make it. He said, you're going to quit today. You're going to quit by the end of the week. And I was miserable I'm trying to learn this job. I've got to have this job. It's going to provide for my family. It's going to help me get through seminary. But I remember one Friday, I got in my car and I'm heading back to the seminary where I was going to shower and go back, go into classes. And I was so wrung out. I was, I was just crying my eyes out in the car. And I prayed. I said, God, I can't take one more day of this. I cannot take it one more day. But I have to have this job. God, you've got to do something. And on that whole 25-minute drive from UPS to the seminary campus, I'm praying my eyes out. I'm wiping my eyes at every traffic light. And I'm praying and crying and praying and crying. I can't take it one more day, God. Monday morning, I went into UPS. We had our 10-minute pre-work meeting. We all circle up. Tom Zuby stood there and said, I've got an announcement to make. I just learned over the weekend that I'm being transferred to the plant in Allentown. So this is my last week, and by the end of the week, I'll be gone. And I remember walking over to my five trucks, and I'm like, there's a God in heaven. And he heard my little prayer. Little Jim Eaton prayed his heart out in his car and God heard my prayer. God can hear your prayer. Pray the impossible prayer. Watch God move. Maybe you need freedom from addictions. Maybe there are addictions in your life right now and you don't want anyone to know. You don't want to tell anybody, but you want to be free. You want to be free to walk with God. People all over the world are struggling with addictions. You're not alone. Just cast your heart on God right now. Say, God, I want to be free. Take me from this place to this place. Make me a woman of God. Make me a young person of God. Make me a man of God who's honest and true and holy before you. Watch God do the miracle. He'll send an angel to help you. He'll turn your heart. He'll bless your life. Pray that impossible prayer. Perhaps you just want to pray some kind of door of faith to open. God, I'm asking that you'd open up a door. Paul talked about doors of faith opening and experiencing opposition. Maybe you just see no way through, but you need to pray for the impossible prayer. I want to close by sharing a story. Some of you remember this. Others of you who are newer were not here, but I'll never forget it. We had a family in our church, Don Allen Celeste Watts. They were leaders in our church, and their, their daughter Joy got married. I remember Natalie and I were there, and I performed the wedding ceremony, and it was just beautiful. And they had a baby, and she came down with pneumonia right after the baby was born. And she deteriorated and deteriorated, and the doctors started to grow more and more concerned, and soon they were concerned for her life. And we were talking with Don Ellen Celeste, and we were visiting down at the hospital, and they literally did not know if she would live. So a group of us got together, and we said, we're, we're going to need to pray. We have to pray. And we, we got together. I remember one night in particular, we prayed for hours. We sat in a circle, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. And I'll never forget, 
Within a few days, she was miraculously healed. Donnell and Celeste were just praising God. We went down there, we're hugging, we're crying. We're like, God heard our prayers. He turned her around from facing death to being alive and healthy and well, and God did it. And our whole church knew it wasn't because of the doctors. It was because God heard our prayer. Pray the impossible prayers. God is listening. God loves you. He's hearing your prayer. I'd like to invite you to just pray with me. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus. So the first part of my prayer is I'm going to pray as though I'm you, wherever you are in the world. And you can just right there quietly in your home, wherever you are, just pray a prayer of faith in Jesus. And then the rest of my prayer, I just want to pray over all of us who are Christ followers to have the courage and the faith to pray impossible prayers. So let's just bow your heads with me wherever you are and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together on this Sunday. Thank you for waking us up in the morning. Thank you for your infinite grace and kindness and love. Right now, I just want to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I want to say to you, Jesus, I know I have sin. I know I have evil in my heart. I know I can't be perfect like you, but I accept Jesus into my life. I put all my faith and trust in you, Jesus. I ask that you'd rescue me and save me and give me a new life. And I want to pray, Father, for all of those who are listening or watching, wherever they might be, who are just struggling with prayer, who, if they're really honest, will say, I just, I pray little prayers, but I'm afraid to pray impossible prayers. Father, change their life today. Give them the capacity, the newness of heart to pray for those areas that right now are impossible. And I ask that you do miracle upon miracle upon miracle. And we promise to publicly praise you. We promise to not take any glory for ourselves, but to give all the praise and honor and glory to you, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you.